0: Mashiach now, this week is Parsha Toldot, or as I like to say, Parsha Toldet. This is such a heavy, heavy packed, ridiculously, um, uh, there's just a lot in this Torah portion. It's just ridiculously insightful. Uh, When you really think about how the whole world is and the Again, the perpetuation of the Jewish people uh, and the rest of the nations and how does that all work? You know, the 70 plus one or is Israel a part of the 70 and all those? Well, first thing I would do is point everyone back to Bereshit chapter 10, Genesis chapter 10, because that really gives the genealogy of the whole entire world, all of mankind. And it's always a hot button about, you know, God's chosen people, because it's just kind of like, aren't all human beings, you know, made in the image of God and um, and aren't we all children of God and things like that? Well, that is true. But there are there is an understanding of who is set apart, like there's a a, a chosen civilization of people a specific language, a specific call, a specific task, a specific mission to all of creation and all of mankind, like the firstborn, uh, if you will, the the whole thing where if you think about a, a household, that the child that's born first, you know, and should there be other children, Bezrat Hashem, the firstborn child should be leading, should be teaching the other children the the way that things roll, you know, obviously, the parents, you know, the guardians and things like that, you know, are called to be the, the primary. But, you know, the child is supposed to back that up, you know, like, hey, you know, this is how we do this. This is that, you know, helping out and, and things like that. And really, that's what the Jewish nation is supposed to be. Originally, you know, you can read through so many sources, like, Handbook of Jewish Thought, Volume 1, the Encyclopedia of Jewish Values Between Man and Man. Um, there are other sources uh, that you can read as well. Zohar, you can read about this in Bahaturim, you can read about this in uh, Unkelos, uh, Rashi, things like that. That What is the deal, you know, with the Jewish nation? Why? What, what is so special about it? Well, here's the thing. This is the nation that has full uh, intact of genealogy, unlike any other people group for over 3000 years, that 3000 years back and and more, that's that's like the low end of the spectrum is that it's just 3000 It's way more than 3000 years, you know, but when you look back all the way to Abraham and even before that. That you can clearly see the the way that the legacy has been perpetuated from Abraham. And yes, there has always been an open door. And Bezor Shem, there's still an open door for people who want to be a part. It's not that it's just this exclusive club and no one's invited. Because when you really think about it, there is actually the understanding that, yes, Israel is the firstborn. But there's going to be more children that come after that. And what what is so significant about the firstborn and the children who are going to follow? Who knows Hashem? Israel is a nation that doesn't believe in God. We're a nation that knows God. So that's a very very big distinction. And when you look at the 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 Hebrew for the word Toldot, which by the way Toldot, the name of this Torah portion translates loosely into English as generations. And it's based off of the word uh, Yeled and also for the word for uh, birthing, like an offspring. And this is where we get the term huledet like Yom Huledet Sameach, which means happy birthday, like the day of your birthing. So there was something birthed here. And if you look at the, the word Toldot itself, if you fully spell it out, you have to go back to the first Torah portion in Genesis, which is uh, Bereshit is the name of the Torah portion, which is in the beginning or with the beginning, that in chapter five, when it talks about the generations, uh, it gives you the lineage from Adam. But if you go back into chapter two, it talks about the generations of the heavens and the earth, because creation, man is, is a part of that. But there's also more. And so when you talk about the the full rectified status of man, it's found within the fullness of the heavens and the earth being completely united. Because currently now the, the heavens and the earth are somewhat intact. And this is why we have glimpses of Hashem's glory. Creation itself is trying to unfold more, but because of our brokenness, because of the lack of the full connection to the heavens and the earth. This is why things like our health and our vitality and, and our life and things like that kind of dwindle, and uh, we get sick, and we, we have the opportunity to not believe in God and to see the world as if there is no God because there's a lot of hiddenness, there's a lot of brokenness in the world. But if you go back to the generations of the heavens and the earth and earlier in Bereshit, you see that things were very, very good. This was awesome. Amazing. No sin, no death, a pure, pristine world with limitless potential. And by the way, we're going to go back to that. And then we're going to exceed that. There are so many more millennia to come that it's like post-resurrection We still got learning to do. We still got living to do. There's still expansion going on in creation and uh, crazy revelations that are still to take place. Uh, There's a lot of uh, of a dissertation that I'm reading about the Lubavitcher Rebbe right now. May his soul be returned to his body. That is insane. One of the many things that's in there, it talks about the fact of the source that brings down We don't really have the full Torah that was given to us on Mount Sinai. I mean, what we have is it's still getting unpacked right now. And then once the Mashiach comes, it's going to be even more information coming from that same Torah. So whether it's that there's a new Torah that's like it seems to be in addition to, but it's really like it's hidden and concealed, so much so that it's considered that we have only like a a somewhat of a half Torah. And I wish I could go to the source and like read it to you verbatim, but this is just a little uh, paraphrase of what's in there. And again, this is some of the teachings that was brought down by the Lubavitcher Rebbe. It's absolutely incredible. So when you hear about Likute Sechot and all the other uh, things that are brought down by Kehot and Chabad that pertain to the Rebbe and uh, and the previous Rebbe's, it is like no wonder you know that there's such a weight of uh, Mashiach and such a, a wonderful chidush and um, a blessing really that just comes from the teachings and the resources that are available. It's it's super intense and just like I I myself. As I'm, uh, I'm currently in the appendix, and there are at least two of them uh, on this dissertation. It's a couple hundred pages of reading, so it's, it's outrageous. But it's basically a compilation of some of the, the teaching, the, the sources, and the background of the Lubavitcher Rebbe and, and what he taught and what he brought to the world and his legacy he's left behind. And it's it's outrageous. But anyway, uh, the reason I bring all this up is because there is currently a a lack of uh, of fullness that we don't have right now. This is we're living basically the way I like to put it. If you've seen Marvel's uh, Thor movie, the first one that Thor was stripped of his power. He could not use the hammer until he was worthy, and then he was banished from his kingdom and cast down to earth. And he had to live like a super normal mortal life, but yet he was—that's not really who he was. But he—he he had to go through all of these challenges. He had to go through all of this humbling experience, and then when the time was right, when it was time to step up, it was like. I'm way more than this. And and he had to deal with the anger and the frustration and the embarrassment of what a failure I've been, how of a hothead, you know, I've been, you know, and all these things. But really, it was the the process of him really becoming who he was meant to be originally. And he, of course, he gets his powers back just the right moment because there's a big bad guy coming. And by the way, the big bad guy for us all is humanity is Goggle Magog. The final war to end all wars. The final war that you can fight peacefully to bring peace. And currently we're in between if it's going to be super peaceful or just ridiculously violent. Because again, it's what are our merits? What are we meriting? What kind of redemption are we meriting? Are we sweetening the judgments? Or are we just whatever Hashem, make it as bad as it can be. Bring it on. Like nuke the world. Let Armageddon happen. Or are we going to be like Abraham and pray for Sodom and Gomorrah? Because the thing is, there were five cities set to be destroyed, but not all five were destroyed because of one man who stood in the gap. And again, you see this later in the writings of Yehazkiah. And this is the Jewish nation. And the Jewish nation had a leader that showed us this. And this was Moshe Rabbeinu. The whole Jewish nation was going to be wiped out at the foot of the mountain in which they receive eternal life and resurrection power and victory over all death and everything. We were like, yeah, Hashem, we'll do whatever you say. We don't even know what you said, but we're going to do it. And then not even 40 days later, we're like, yeah, uh, uh, Hashem, you're this golden calf and we'll do some kind of stuff that we used to do in Egypt and, you know yeah, 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 but you know, we, we trust you and everything, but we'll just look over here for a minute. And it's just like, Hashem was like, I'm wiping them all out right now. Every last one of them, they're going to all die. I'm going to do like a micro flood type situ- situation. I'm going to do like, I'm going to wipe them out. And Moshe Rabain was like, uh, no, we're not going to do that. Cause first of all, if you're going to do that to them, then you need to start with me. It seems like I'm not going to wipe you out. What are you talking about? I'm wiping them out. You didn't do anything. Or did you? You know, those kinds of things. And it's just like this is how we're supposed to be. A Jew is that to the world. This is one of the reasons why or Yeshua says you are the salt of the earth. You know what salt means in Torah? Salt means something that is under very, very strict judgment. Very severe things uh, are supposed to happen. But the salt brings a balance to it. it. It takes off some of the edge, some of the harshness. And this is the, one of the main reasons why we dip the challah on Arab Shabbat. Well, Le'ol Shabbat, because as we've learned from the last podcast on the Aisha Chayil, uh, that really when we're doing the Arab Shabbat seder, it's, it's for uh, the Le'ol Shabbat. It's during the night. It's after candle lighting. So it is the night of the Shabbat. And we're dipping the challah in salt three times. And this brings about a sweetening of any harsh judgments or decrees that is upon us. So we are supposed to dip this world in salt in a metaphorical way by how we live, how we pray, how we think, how we speak, encouraging other people, you know, and and bringing that light where there's darkness Evil in this world is only existing because it's lacking goodness. It's lacking light. It's lacking truth that is balanced with compassion and humility. So we have all these things going on. And all of that to bring it back to told out is that there is a, a missing letter in the word told out in this week's Torah portion. And that's at the very beginning. It's missing a letter. But what was started in Genesis earlier on in Genesis chapter 2 broken down through this Torah portion and on throughout the rest of the Tanakh it comes back together with the birthing of the house of David started with Boaz and Ruth and you see that the Vav of Toldot is brought back to its fullness the letter Vav is the letter that's missing this week and it continues to to dot di, di, or digress or or it, it basically decreases in its spelling uh, all the way down until it gets to Novolves and toldot And then it comes all the way back to its full spelling, like in Genesis 2, when you read about the birthing of David, which is the beginning of Mashiach. So there's a lot, like I said, and I didn't even really touch on some of the things that happened, but, you know, in this tour portion, there's a lot of challenges. Now that you've gone through the Akeda, now that you've, uh, gotten married and, uh, you're beginning your family life, you know, your parents have passed away and now it's you, you're to perpetuate your parents' legacy. And as you perpetuate their legacy, it's as if your parents never even died. You... Immortalize your parents, uh, the previous generations. You know this is why it says that Yaakov never died because Israel is still here, the children of Israel. And so you know when you think about, and that's only on one level. <laughs> you could go like crazy with that, but uh, yeah, of course, according to the sources, not just making stuff up. But yeah, so I mean that's what we're in, and and so you see the challenge to build a family. You see the challenge to. Uh, To stabilize the home and make provision because there's a famine going on. What's the dealio with that? And where Abraham and Sarah could leave, or and Yaakov, as we see at the end of this tour portion, uh, is called to leave. Yitzhak, he doesn't get to leave. He doesn't get to just go, oh, there's a famine here. I'm out. I'm going to go to a place where there's not a famine. It's like, well, no, we're going to make it happen that even though there's a famine going on, you're going to be just fine. I mean people are going to still fight with you and debate and be freaked out about you're trying to do things that are, you know, um in conflict with what whatever their agenda and feelings are. That that totally happens in the story portion. Disputing over the wells, the the wells that Abraham dug, the people were plugging them up and Yitzhak was like I need to get these things back on on the on their A game, you know? Like I need to unplug these wells and redig them and and get them going and this happened multiple occasions and people are debating with him over territory and he's just like uh well we're in uh enemy territory so rivka i need you to act like my sister like that whole thing and then he's got these two sons that from the womb like in the fetus they are in the uh not in the fetus in the <laughs> in the uh in the womb yes in the womb of rivka they were fighting. They came out fighting. And then they grow up fighting. And then they are continuing out with all of their descendants fighting. In the end, they're going to come together, though. And even children of Yishmael are going to come and join this. This is what's amazing because Rabbi Trugman Shlita already brought this down back in, I believe it was 2020 or 2021, uh, that he already talked about this during Pashar Sarah about the the ultimate reconciliation between the three, between Yaakov, between Esav, and between Yishmael. When you put all of those uh, individuals together with their descendants, you have the 70 plus one nations. Yishmael is over 35, and Esav is over 35 other. And again, these are archetypal nations which obviously branch out into many other nations, but the world is still divided into three like it was after Noah with Shem, Ham, and Japheth, that the world was divided like that, so now the world is divided between the three, and then it branches off from there. But, and then obviously Yaakov is in the middle, so you have Yishmael on one side, Esav on the other, that's 35 and 35, and then you have Yaakov in the middle, so those are your, your 70 nations or your 70 plus one nations, depends on uh, which approach you want to take, because Baha Turim really brings this down in uh, Parshat Todo this week, so check that out, and Bezard Hashem, I'll be speaking more on it. So anyway, uh, I wanted to try to keep this short, keep it simple, and there's a lot going on this week, so in case I don't get to podcast much, uh, I want to go ahead and put everything out on the table right now. Uh, it's very, very intense information and subject because a lot of people have uh, a lot of different perspectives about it. And you know what? That is totally awesome. Because where is the scarlet thread between all of those perspectives? How do they all come to one point and match up? Because again, remember, before the Tower of Babel, the whole entire world was of one heart and of one language. Imagine that. But yet all the world wasn't Jewish and all the world wasn't lacking idolatry because there were a lot of people who worshiped idols and worshiped angels and worshiped creation and things like that. So what do you mean of one heart and of one speech, even though there was idolatry and People believing in other deities and doing other uh religious rites besides cleaving to Hashem's Torah. That that mind blows me. I don't even know what to even think about that because again, as I've been saying so much this past year in fifty seven eighty two, still mind blown over it in fifty seven eighty three. How is it going to be that all the nations come to Jerusalem to the temple, and people are going to leave their idols and come and bow in the presence of the Holy One, blessed is He, in the temple? Like it's crazy. It's just crazy, and and not everyone's going to be a a Jew, and it's just like, wait, what? And they're going to be in the Alum Haba. You know, most people talk about, well, I want to make sure I get to heaven, so you know, and then they'll give you the, the whatever the road or path it is to heaven, which there are many, according to who who you talk to. But Judaism says, if a person is going to hold fast to the basic commandments that Hashem has commanded humanity, beginning with Adam, continuing with Noach, at least if they start there, they have a portion in the world to come. Because heaven it's not just some hidden dimension that you just go hide away from the world from. Heaven's going to come down to earth. So temporarily we don't have that. But as we get into the Islamabad, that's going to become a reality. That's why everything is going to be so outrageously amazing. Like you, you won't even be able to fathom some of the beautiful things that are going to occur. But again, uh, these are just some of the some of the ideas, some of the insights and... Parsha told up. It's a beautiful Parsha. And may we all experience the arrival and the opportunity of greeting the face of Malachi Mashiach and seeing the return of the Shekinah to the Beit HaMikdash on the Temple Mount in Yerushalayim. Wow. Beim Hera even now. speedily in our days, and now, Mashiach now.